All right, here we go on a March Madness Sunday morning. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live in the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, Las Vegas, the flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Also here is social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. And producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing and chiming in on a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the UNLV football pre-pregame show host on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We're also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line. Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in Nevada. On tap, after a bad loss and a couple days of rest, the Western Conference-leading Vegas Golden Knights are back at it this afternoon. We'll talk about the Raiders and Jimmy G. As always, March Madness is living up to the title. And speaking about March Madness, the West Regionals will be in Las Vegas this week. Plus, if you are craving Major League Baseball, you have one more chance to see it live in Las Vegas this afternoon. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current home financing options available in the state of Nevada. And uh, guys, um, you know, it's been a hell of a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I just had my makeup surgery, Chris, uh, on Thursday. And here I am, man, a lot better in shape than I was the last time I went uh, into a hospital or uh, under anesthesia. So at least I'm happy to be back. All I will say is, man, everyone out there, if you've never had one, which I had never before this year, drink a lot of water. And what I'm talking about is a kidney stone. You don't want them. Right now, everything's good except... Uh, going to the bathroom, I should say, urinating is still uh, is still an, an adventure. Sorry to say that on the air, but it is an adventure. And what I'm saying is every five minutes, it feels like you got to go. And when you go, you, you start to go, and it feels like somebody kind of gives you a quick rabbit punch in the side. That's what it's like for a few days. Hopefully, that's going to change real quickly here. Uh, but anyways, you know, Vegas Golden Knights, man, it's been just a magical ride this season. The way they started the season, you know, super high expectations from Bill Foley, Kelly McCrimmon. Um, you know, they've talked about it all season long that this is the year they expect this team to really compete for a Stanley Cup. And the Vegas Golden Knights aren't disappointing. They're tied with the most points in the Western Conference with 90. They're tied with L.A.'s, also got 90, but they've got one game in hand on L.A. They'll make up that game today um, as they they play host to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights have exceeded expectations, I think, this year, especially the way they really started to fizzle right before the All-Star break. And everyone said, oh, this break's going to be great for them. You know, you want to believe that, but, you know, I mean, come on. Is it cliche a show? A little break's going to do them good. In this case, 
The break has done them amazingly. They've gotten points in all but three games since they've been back from the All-Star break. They have been the hottest team in the National Hockey League. He had a knock on Jonathan Marcheseau. He wasn't scoring goals. He had kind of disappeared after really having a strong start. Well, Jonathan's now over 22 goal, over over 20 goals, I should say, again this season. And by the way, Marchie is living up to his name because in the month of March, he is the leading scorer of the Vegas Golden Knights. Five goals, 10 total points, and he has really stepped up when they've needed him. And again, Chris, you know, I I can't talk enough about the moves that were made Pre, um, you know, pre uh, uh, trading deadline, uh, those moves, you know, we didn't think a lot of them. You know, you thought, hey, they're decent. You know, how good are they going to be? How good is Barbashev going to be? You know, how good is Bluger going to be? You know, you wonder with these guys how good they're going to be. And they've come in, and you look at this last road trip. All of them had three points. Oh, well, I should say the two of them had three points um, in this last road trip. If if you if you throw in um, Durafiev, how do you say his name again? Durafiev. 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 Pavel Durafiev. You throw him in there. He also had two goals and one assist as he comes in as some players like William Carrier injured right now. He comes in and picks up the slack. All of them with three points on the four-game road trip. And how about Jonathan Quick on the road trip? Let's disregard the Calgary game Thursday night. 3-0, 1.97 goals against average, and a and a 94% save percentage for Jonathan Quick, who has come here and done exactly what their highest hopes would have been, at least to this point, for Jonathan Quick. Right now, Disregarding, again, the Calgary game, which I think was kind of a stopgap game, I th- I had a feeling it was going to be the, the Philadelphia Flyers game. Last Tuesday was going to be the game where they kind of fell apart just because so much road, so many games back-to-back, and, ba- you know, and then they go to Cal- they they come home against Calgary. You think, wow, they got through that road trip. You know, they had a day off. They get to come back to T-Mobile Arena, and they're going to play well. They never they didn't play well from the jump. They weren't out of the game till the end. But seven two, a lopsided victory against the Flames. But throwing that one out, Jonathan Quick has done everything this team could have expected of him, and the players they picked up in free agent, or I should say prior to the trading deadline, Chris, they have done everything and more you could have expected of these guys. They've really fit in well. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. You know, I, I really did not. I, I, like I, I had the conversation with someone the other day at the game because I, I, Ivan Barbashev is, is very noticeable. And the conversation basically went like, you know what? I would be lying if I told you I watched a lot of Ivan Barbashev when he was with the St. Louis Blues. He's a he's a good player. Like, he fits very well with what this team needed. I think he was the kind of player that they needed because, to me, I, I, I watch him, and he's a skilled player, and he's a guy who's capable of playing on that top line. He can play in your top six, but he's also got a little bit of a mean, mean streak. And I feel like this team has been missing a player like that, and I want to say since since year one, since they had Eric Halla, who was a, a, a top six guy. I mean, Eric Halla, I think, scored like 29 goals that year. But Eric Halla was a guy who played on the edge, right? Like, he, he played with a little bit of, of meanness in his game. And, you know, I, I don't think Barbashev is as skilled or as good of a player as Timo Meyer. But Timo Meyer is that type of player, right? He plays with a little bit of an edge. He, he plays angry. And that's what Ivan Barbashev brings to, to the team. He can he can deliver some big hits. And I think that's that's the kind of player that this team needed. A skilled player who has the capability to go out there and knock you on your ass. And Ryan Reeves could go out and knock you on your ass, but Ryan Reeves is not a top-line player. He's a, he's a bottom bottom three guy, and that's... 
It's not. That's not a knock on him. You're, you're, it's it's you're just who he is. You typically don't count on a guy that is able to mix it up. That is a guy that goes in the corners as a guy that's going to put the puck in. And, and, and this and is a double digit. He, he's scorer. a guy who, when you go into the corner, you're looking over your shoulder. Yeah. And I I think that's you know when 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 they acquired him, Kelly McCrimmon said that they had been scouting him for for a long time. They watched a lot of his games. They knew going into the season that he was a guy that that they wanted. And I, I do believe that they are going to re-sign him at the end of the year. I think so, too, Chris. And I think also with Barbashev, one of the things that, that you know you get, on top of him being somewhat intimidating and the fact that he can put the puck in the net, he is a guy built for the playoffs. Yes, yes. And that is what you want when he you, was, go, you, know, you go into the trading deadline. You look for guys. Who is going to make this team better and who is going to be able to rise and elevate their game for the postseason? Barbashev is a guy that does that. And Bluger, too. Bluger's a guy that's not going to get you a lot of points. He's a blue-collar guy that just gets the job that a guy that's going to be on your third or fourth line that is going to be in the right place at the right time, going to get the job done. And more than anything else, Chris, he's not a guy that leaves you hanging out to dry. Yeah, Bluger, Bluger reminds me a lot of Pierre Edward Belmar. Yeah, exactly. He, he is, he's, he's, a, he's a guy who, and, and again, this is he he's a player that they have been missing since they, they, they let Belmar walk after year three. He was, he was a guy who I think they... He, he again targeted. I liked him in Pittsburgh because I I, I kind of like the grinders, and Bluger is a, is a bit of a grinder. Yep. He's he's a guy. What what I love about his game and and why I compare him to Pierre Edward Belmar is he's a guy who's going to win you draws. Most importantly, in the um, when you when you need someone to win you a faceoff, he's a guy who can go out there and do it. He's really really good on the penalty kill, which is very similar to what Pierre Edward Belmar was. You're not going to get a ton of offensive production, but when he chips in, you know it's really, really important. And I, I feel like he he just fits that mold of what a fourth-line center. Yeah. You knew the Golden Knights had gotten a really good player. When It's funny because when, when they drafted Pierre Edward Belmar, my cousin is a Philadelphia Flyers fan, and I, I asked him, I said, hey, what, what can you tell me about this guy? He goes, he goes everybody in Philadelphia loves him. If you are a beloved player in Philadelphia, there's a reason why you are a beloved player in Philadelphia. When Teddy Bluger was acquired by the Golden Knights, the reaction on social media was similar. He was a beloved player in Pittsburgh for all the right reasons. And, you know, for to, to be a fourth-line player and be really well-loved and, and, and liked in the city you play... Right, because a lot of times those guys can be scapegoats, but to be the guy who 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 is beloved when you're in that role, you're obviously really really good at that role. And Teddy Bluger fits that that mold. He is a player who just fits. He 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 fills a, a void that this team hasn't had, or a, a a a void that this team has needed to fill for a couple of years. And look, it's not a knock on any of the other guys who played fourth line because clearly the fourth line has been really good for this team all year. What amazes me is right now the guys who started the season on the fourth line, they're all hurt. Colasar, Carrier, and Nick Wah. Um, so it's it's funny how they've they've lost one of the most probable. I, I, look, I, I'd be lying if I told you I knew every fourth line but in the it's NHL. A produ- it's a productive. But it, fourth is a, line. it is a very productive fourth line, and my my guess would be one of the more productive fourth lines in the NHL. 
they're they're missing all those guys right well, now. You know, you know, and they're still they're still playing well. No, you, you know, and and Bruce Cassidy shows that by having the confidence in them and to to show them his appreciation of them is he starts the fourth line a lot. You don't see a lot of teams do that. Bruce. Bruce Cassidy does that. Pete DeBoer used to do he, that. He did Gerard, it as well, yeah. Gerard Gallant. So there's yeah, it's something. Kind of been a, it's been a thing here in Vegas yeah. where the fourth line goes out first. It's, and it's I think kind it's of an, cool. You know? It's a, an appreciation thing. But, Chris, going back to what you said, you know, about Pierre-Edouard Belmar and, you know, again, uh, just now about Teddy Blugers, you're talking about two guys that were getting praises from a, a state like Pennsylvania. And it is a blue-collar state. And these are, and in order to be a beloved guy when you play for a Philadelphia or a Pittsburgh team, be it a football or a, or a or a hockey team, they are expecting to be have a blue collar mentality. And yeah. both those guys that you mentioned have that type of mentality. They are guys that get down. They're going to annoy the hell guys when they say guys that get under your skin. That was that was a Pierre Edouard Belmar, and that is a Teddy Bluger. They're guys. They might not be the toughest guys in the NHL, but they're going to get under your skin. And you know what? They're not going to back down. Yeah. And those that is the kind of player that as you go forward and you head to the postseason that the Vegas Golden Knights desperately needed. I think, like I said, fan of Kelly McCrimmon or not, he did a hell of a job before the trading deadline getting these two guys. And again, the afterthought, and to get him for a song, to get a guy like Jonathan Quick, and again, yes, Jonathan Quick has let a couple of cheapies in. He's 37 years old and has so much miles on that, so many miles on those tires, it's 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 ridiculous. And well, yet, he, he made some, some big saves early on in he, that Calgary game. And that's the game. point is he still has that ability, Chris. And again, you go to a new town where your old town has kind of said, okay, you've done all you can for us here. We're done with you. You go somewhere new. And again, I, I'm beating this horse to the Elmer Glue factory, but we saw it with Marc-Andre Fleury when he came from Pittsburgh. Marc-Andre Fleury had the quietest chip I've ever seen on someone's shoulders. He wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't He wouldn't exa- you know, emphasize it, but you could tell this guy was playing with a purpose. He was playing with a chip on his shoulder and he had to prove to everyone, I'm still one of the best in the game. Well, Jonathan Quick is also one of the best in the history of this game. What he did in 2012 is unprecedented. It's magical. I don't know, just like the Vegas Golden Runs inaugural season of 2017, I don't know that it can ever be copied. I don't know the run Jonathan Quick had for the LA Kings in 2012 could ever be copied because it was so unbelievable that it was a mediocre hockey team that barely made the playoffs and a goaltender just decided, you know what? I'm going to say no. No more pucks are getting in my net. And he did it for four series in a run to the Stanley Cup championship. Yeah, beat my, beat my New Jersey Devils sure did. in the final. And, and I will never beat forget the, that run. Because huh? before that run, Chris, I had no idea who the hell Jonathan Quick was. I've known who he was since then. And a guy you always need to pay attention to. And believe me, with him between the pipes of all the guys they have, yes, I, I definitely believe Logan Thompson has gotten respect around the NHL from last year and this year going to the All-Star game. Laurent Brossois proved to us coming back from the hip surgery that he can still play at this level and play really well. For God's sakes, Aiden Hill, light a little fire under that guy's ass, bring in a Jonathan Quick, and all of a sudden he'll give you 50 saves in a night. We saw Aiden Hill's has that type of capability. However, any one of those three guys, when you tell an opponent, this is who's in net against you in the playoffs, okay, so... 
You know who you're going against tonight? Jonathan Quick. Guys, we got to sit down and talk about this. It's a whole different conversation because of the respect this man has earned throughout his tenure in the National Hockey League. And that is why I thought he was such a big presence to bring to this team, not just for what he can do between the pipes, but what he does mentally to opponents and also the goaltenders he's playing with. Everyone feels we need to play better when Jonathan Quick is on the ice. That is reputation. And at 37, he still has enough gas left in the tank, like I have said, to give them some great games and some great saves. And we've already seen it in his short time here with the Vegas Golden Knights. Again, A-plus for what they did this year prior to the trading deadline. Again, the number one point getter right now with the LA Kings in the Pacific, actually in the entire Western Conference, also in the Pacific Division. And there's some great teams in the Eastern Conference, and it's going to be awfully tough getting by them. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights have as good of a chance of getting out of the Western Conference as any team in the National Hockey League in the Western Conference. It's going to be whoever ends up winning the East. I mean, Boston is just it's a juggernaut. 109 points. They're sick how good they've been this year. There's four or five teams in the East that could win the Stanley Cup over any team in the West, but the Gold, Vegas Golden Knights, I think, are one of the premier teams in the Western Conference. Well, yeah, their 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 schedule, their, their their wins over the Eastern Conference. When you look at what their record is against the Boston's and the Torontos, look, they split with Boston. They 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 won in Boston. They swept Toronto. They swept Carolina. They swept Tampa. They split with the Devils. They're they're a good team, and what what amazes me is they're a good team without their heart and soul. And when I say that, I mean without Mark Stone. Yeah. The the job that... Look, I, I know Jim Montgomery... 43 games, Chris, and he's still the fourth goal, leading goal well, scorer well, on this team, and he only played in 43 games out of 70. Jim, out of 69. Jim, Jim Montgomery in Boston is going to win the Jack Adams Award. I don't think there's any debate about that. But Bruce Cassidy, for the job that he has done with the amount of injuries that this team has had from... Basically, the, the the beginning of November on, for the second year in a row, this is a team that's 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 dealt with with injuries. Now they haven't been as bad as they were a year ago. But look, they, they, there was a stretch where they've played five goalies in fifteen games yes. or fifteen days, fifteen days. And for a team that goes into the season with the goaltender being your biggest question mark, yeah, yeah. to be the number one team with only less than fifteen games left to go in the season, number one team in the conference, you got to give some credit to coaching there. Yeah, no yeah. question Bruce, about Bruce it. Bruce Cassidy and his staff, um, you know, John Stevens and and Sean Burke and and. Ryan, you know, uh, so so they they certainly deserve the the, the credit for a, a good job, and and you know the funny thing is I don't think Bruce Cassidy will really like if you if you approached him and and asked him a, like when the when the nominations come out for Jack Adams, and I'm, I'm I'm guessing he will be one of the finalists. He he absolutely should be. I think Jim Montgomery's got it locked up though. Yeah, me I mean, too. look the job the the the, the Bruins are are a steamroller. It's, it's right unbelievable now. So, what they're doing. I, I think if you ask Bruce Cassidy about it, I don't think he would be highly, you know, I, I think he would he would pass a lot of the praise on to the players, you know, he because he, he, he says it, right, in, in pressers. We can, we can make up the game plan, but once the players get on the ice, it's up to them. And that goes for wins and losses. You know, when the team doesn't doesn't play well, that, that's on them, and, and, and Cassidy will take the blame. But when the team does well, I don't see Bruce Cassidy saying, well, yeah, I did this right and I did that right. It's the players. 
you know, he 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 talked about in in the past. He's talked about the way the way that some of these guys, you know, they a lot of them take losing personally, and that's a good trait. Like Zach Whitecloud the other night, I asked him about his goal. He didn't want to talk about his goal. He was pissed that they lost, and to me, that's that's the sign of a a a, a leadership. It's a leadership trait by, by Zach Whitecloud because he he was like, look, I, you know, I made a nice play. I don't care. We lost. That's all that that's all that mattered to him is that they lost the game. Yep. And I think the, I don't think he's the only guy in the locker room who feels that way. Like I I look at Alec Martinez, and I know he's been he's been around the league a long time, and he, he's he's obviously had the highest of the highs in the game. But I still think he takes losing personally. Like I, I feel like he, I'm sure he's gotten to the point in his career where he can decompress pretty quickly, but in those moments after that, after that game, my guess, and I don't know this for a fact because I don't know him very well, but I think he takes it personally, just based on 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 a few of the conversations that me and him had. The that's that's a leadership trait. I think Brady well, McNabb takes takes losing personally. No, and Brady McNabb, you know, it's funny because Bruce Cassidy always refers to Braden McNabb, you know, Nabber as a guy that, you know, you cannot look at what Braden McNabb brings you on paper or you are going to completely miss what this player brings you. A leadership role. He's active in the locker room. I mean, he is the quiet enforcer and also a guy that will light you up if you don't have your head up on the ice. Braden McNabb protects his players. He is the epitome of a team player and a team defenseman I love him and you know and and I also like what you said Chris I I do believe that there that, that this team is you know is built around the tenacity of a guy like Bruce Cassidy and the way that he thinks. He has mixed up lines. He continues to try different things. And the one thing the Vegas Gold Knights continue to do is win. Now, again, 69 games under wrap. That leaves 13 games to go in the regular season. Chris, I got to say, looking at the schedule, looking ahead, it is a tough road to haul. But I think the Vegas Gold Knights hold on, find a way to win the Pacific Division over the L.A. Kings. I don't. I, I think anyone else, I know the Oilers are like four games back and they've got a couple of games against them still, or four points back, but I think the, the Golden Knights find a way to come out of this division, win the win win the Pacific Division, and Dallas, you know, right behind them with 89 points, they do have a game in, in hand on the Stars, the Stars have played 70 games, but I think it's going to come down to it, and I think the Golden Knights, it is to me, it is crucial for the, them to come out and win the Pacific Division, well, or I should say the Pacific, uh, the Pacific Division, and to win the Western Conference in general. Home ice advantage, I think, will pay dividends, even though I know early Earlier in the season, the big talk was how much they were struggling at T-Mobile Arena. I think when you get to the postseason, I'll tell you what. It's, in Detroit, it's a different animal. In Detroit for years, seeing postseason games, and it's exciting. And the hairs stand up on your arms, and the place gets loud. But I'll tell you right now, I have never seen an atmosphere, especially in 2017-2018 season, like the postseason at T-Mobile Arena. It is electric. It's a big stadium, and the noise reverberates really well. And I think going to the postseason and playing, getting, getting home ice advantage throughout at least the conference finals would be gigantic for the Vegas Golden Knights this year. I think it's something they need to strive for, and I do think they're going to get it. You think that uh, you think that's a realistic possibility for them? Well, you know, it's going to be a battle, and I think a, a big we we will have a better idea. I think when when we turn these mics on next week, because they've got Columbus today, early start, one o'clock, and then you hit the road for for Western Canada. 
You've got one more game with the Canucks. You, you, you finish your season series with Calgary, and then you, you go to Edmonton for one last time, hopefully. Um, Brian, the, the, well, you the, got that home and home series well, against Edmonton. Yeah, so yeah. so you finish. You, you, you have Columbus today, and then eight of the remaining, I believe, ten games or eleven or twelve games are against the Pacific Division. Only one of those teams stink, and that's the San Jose Sharks, which you, who you play on the thirtieth. Other than that, Brian, and and Vancouver. Okay, so two of them are, are against non playoff teams. Six of your remaining. 13 games are against playoff teams from... Fighting per position right now. Yeah, So, and then you've got the other games with the Minnesota Wild and the Nashville Predators and Dallas Stars. So so two of those three teams currently are in the playoffs, and one of them kind of threw the towel in, yet they're still kind of hovering around, at least with with a mathematic possibility of making the playoffs. So, I mean, you've got a really tough stretch of games to end the season. Columbus, you, you should beat them. There's no excuse. If you go out and lay an egg today against Columbus, that's inexcusable. This is a team who has been battered on this West Coast swing. Yeah, I think today, Chris, I think you are really going to see a mighty Golden to, Knights to, team. Today should probably be one of those 6-1. to one. Even with Yuri Patera in net, which I yeah. think he will be today, I agree with you. I think today is a day the Vegas Golden Knights, they look back at the they, Calgary it's game. It's a game they should flex yes, their muscle. They're going to show the Calgary game was a fluke. Hey, guys, we just got back from a four-game vicious road trip. We came back against Calgary. We weren't ready mentally to play that game. By the third period, we ran out of gas. The gas tank is full now. We're getting ready to hit the road. We know this is a team we have to beat and flex our muscles against and I think we'll see them do that. Um, I do look again for the Vegas Golden Knights to have a successful campaign this last month of the season and uh, and heading to the postseason and who knows, the sky's going to be the limit for this team at least as far as the Western Conference goes. I just I, I think it's going to be really really tough for them to get by anybody and I think anybody in the Western Conference to win against whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference because the team that does come out of the Eastern Conference this year is going to be so battle-tested. They are going to be playing against really, really good teams playing their best hockey. I, this is going to be one of the most exciting Stanley Cup playoffs on both ends that we've seen in a while, and I'm looking really forward to it. Uh, well, let's let's quickly get over to the Bones and the National Football League because um, some things happened this week, something I predicted a long time ago, and I'm not Nostradamus. I think anybody that, had, that, was, that was paying attention had a pretty good feeling that Jimmy Garoppolo was on the short list for the, the Las Vegas Raiders to uh, replace Place Derek Carr and become their, their quarterback. We knew that Jared Stidham went off to Denver. They paid him $2 million bucks to back up uh, Russell Wilson this year. And of course, we know Derek Carr is in New Orleans, hopefully for their sake, going to revive their team. But the guy that they're turning to is Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to bring Spencer in to talk about this because I know Spencer uh, is, is as passionate of a Raiders fan as I know. Um, he wasn't around to remember the glory days of the Raiders, even though the Raiders are the third most successful NFL franchise since the Super Bowl has been around. Uh, Spencer doesn't want to talk about it, any of that. He's about, what have you done for me lately? And lately they have done absolutely nothing for him. They've lost a couple of playoffs games in the past five or six years. And Spencer was a big Derek Carr detractor, wanted him gone. He got his wish. Uh, talking to Spencer before the show, we talked a little bit. Spencer, of course, in the green room. Uh, but but Spencer, a little bit before the show, said, you know, I don't mind the Jimmy Garoppolo move. They, they, they didn't pay a lot of money for Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's... 
you know, it's it's like replacing Derek Carr with Derek Carr, but for half the cost where you can get other things. If you don't know about Garoppolo's contract, he signed a three-year, $72,750,000 contract with the Las Vegas Raiders, including a $11.25 million sign-on bonus. $45 million is guaranteed for Jimmy G, and uh, that is an awful lot of money to give Jimmy G, although, like Spencer said, based on quarterbacks today, it's not that much money. He is guaranteed uh, it's an average salary over the next three years of over $24 million. Spencer, is Jimmy G worth that much? And are the Raiders going to be improved offensively with Jimmy Garoppolo calling signals? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be improved. I mean, I know they traded Darren Waller, who really hasn't even been available for the past two years, so I can't really comment too far on that. But I think they'll be about the same. But, you know, we did talk about it before the show. You either pay $42 million a year for Derek Carr or you get about the same production with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I think the offense is going to be, you know, a tad bit different because Derek Carr tend to throw the ball down the field a little bit more, you know, than in past. But when you have Jimmy Garoppolo, he's more of that kind of methodical, you know, short range kind of guy. And I think that you're going to see, you know, Devontae Adams just run different routes, see him in different positions. They also signed Jacoby Myers. So I don't think they're going to see a dip in production at all. I think you might see a little bit more stability, but I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a long-term answer. And I don't think they, you know, assume that either. I think they're going to go after quarterback kind of later in the draft, not in the first round. They called up for the first overall pick, didn't like the asking price. They called Green Bay to ask about Aaron Rodgers. They didn't like the asking price. So, I just think they're going the safe route. And truthfully, if you want the answer, I think they're going to take this year off. I think they're really gearing up for next year. They didn't go after Jordan Foyer aggressively. They didn't go after Jalen Ramsey Ramsey aggressively. I just think that this team was so bad and they had no drafting for the long time. They're not going to build this team through free agency. They're stocking up draft picks. I think they're going to end up trading back in this year's draft, not being too aggressive and just seeing what they get next year. And this is the most exciting position the Raiders have been in my entire life, or I guess since 2003 when they went to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, the new general manager for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, hey, I like what you're saying, Spencer. I'm not going to disagree. I don't think anyone out there wants to hear that the Raiders are taking this year off. But Spencer's just talking reality. They are building for the future. What Jimmy G brings more than anything else is big game experience. And to me, that is gigantic. He's played in a few NFC Championship games. He's played in a Super Bowl. This guy has played the game at the highest level in the biggest games, and that is going to make a difference. Yes, if you want to talk about the reasons, no, Jimmy G didn't do anything special. He had an unbelievable defense in San Francisco for the time that he played there, and when that defense was healthy, that team won football games, and Jimmy G was the cause of some of them. Um, Jimmy G is a guy that is you don't want to count on to win you games with his arm. You want to count on Jimmy G to be a game manager, to let the skilled position players around him do their job, and you want the defense to definitely do their job, which is where the Raiders' focus needs to now be. They've got their quarterback. They've got their skilled positions. They still do need to fix up that offensive line a little bit, but if this Raiders team is going to be a team that competes down the road for an NFL championship, it is a team that is going to have to become better defensively. That's been the thing we've been screaming about for years. They thought last year, bringing in Chandler Jones on the other side of uh, of Max Crosby was going to be a big win. It wasn't. Max Crosby's numbers dipped, and, and Chandler
Chandler Jones was not nearly the player everyone thought he was going to be. Denzel Perryman, a big part of this team the last couple of years, he's been hurt on and off, but he's definitely rejuvenated his career in Las Vegas. But they need a secondary, Chris. They need to develop the secondary. They need to get better players there. They need to be healthy. But again, if this team is going to win, it's not the offense that's going to win for this team. It's going to be the defense. Well, that's the old Patriot way, right? Like, like for all the for all the greatness that Tom Brady was, he always had a really good defense, right? Like Tom Brady, he he put up good numbers, but like he he wasn't like Dan Marino where he was just slinging the ball forty yards downfield at a, a pop, right? Like like there was there was a method to what Bill Belichick and and his crew did, and it always started with the defense, right? That first Super Bowl they won wasn't because of Tom Brady. They didn't lose because of Tom Brady, but they won because of the defense. Even the second Super Bowl they won, I think it was against the 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 Eagles. The defense showed up. Donovan McNabb did not show up. Um, so I think with Jimmy G, I'll be honest. I think he's a guy who was unfairly kind of scapegoated as the reason why the the Forty ers didn't beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl that year. I, I always felt it was kind of crappy that, that he was the guy who, who who was blamed for it. It's like, how about you just give credit to Kansas City for being a great team? But Well, I, Chris, I, you know what? I'm gonna real quickly before I say give I do give Kansas City credit for being a great great team. I don't hang that loss on Jimmy Garoppolo no, at all. You, you but here's the deal. I blame that loss on Kyle Shanahan yes. more than on Kansas yep. City winning the game. They were running the ball effectively all game, and all of a sudden at the end, they decided to start throwing the football when yeah. they just needed to keep. Yeah. Why are you going it's, away it's from the, the hair same, of the dog? It was the same thing with the Atlanta Falcons when they yep. when they choked. They got away from what was working. But anyway, I, I, I think there's something to what Spencer said, and, and Raider fans probably, you know, I think every fan, not just Raider fans, but I think every fan of, of teams go into seasons thinking that they can win the Super Bowl. The reality is this Raider team is not built to win a Super Bowl. They brought in Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to build for a future. They didn't want a, a, a one-year pop, and then all of a sudden you're, you're in salary cap hell, and you never were able to get back to, to, to what you did year one. We've seen that multiple times in the NFL where a coach comes in and the team right away, they, they, they overachieve, and then all of a sudden they, they can't get back because they, they just don't have the players to do it. They can't sign the players. I think what we've seen is is a mini demolition. Like it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a blow up, right? They didn't blow this whole thing up. They're they're methodically removing pieces and getting parts for the future. I think it's a bold move because I don't know how much of a time frame Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are on. Like there were people calling for Josh McDaniels' job at the end of this year. They still so, are. I'm, so, I'm calling for his job, Chris. So, well, well. That's that's not something I will do because I, I, I feel like you, you've got to be patient. And I think that there is a plan. And I don't think the plan was ever to try to win the Super Bowl year one with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. I think the plan was always we're going to get Adams and then we're going to let Carr go at the end of the season. I feel like that unless Carr had an, an unbelievable no, I'm season. Not, Chris, but, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I got I got to chime in because you know, the thing is with Josh McDaniels is I said this all along. I say this to almost every coach that leaves New England. Yes, he's had a coaching head coaching stint in Denver and what have you. Yeah, yeah, no, but I said this totally about every coach that there. has led that I know has led where you're going. You know where I'm going. They forget one thing in New England when they come. They don't bring Bel- they don't Bill bring Belichick, Belichick with them. Who is the mind, the brains. But, but, and again, but, but, and I want to be honest, Brian, Belichick hasn't... If you look at Belichick's 
full body of work, and you take the Tom Brady years away from Bill Belichick. No, he's an average. No, coach. I'm not going to disagree, but it's, it's not average because I'll look at look at I will go back. He was. I will go back. I will go back to when what Bill Parcells Parcells said about him when he was the defensive coordinator of your Giants. Not, right? my not Giants. your Giants. You're right. Of, of the, you're right. You're the Jets fan. That's I'm, insulting. I'm right. But hey, listen, what he said about the Giants is he said Bill Belichick, and this was shortly after we just saw what Buddy Ryan did in Chicago with the '86 defense. He said. Bill Belichick is the best defensive mind in the history of the NFL, and the guy was a young man. And it's like, well, God, it's hard to argue with Bill Parcells. Look who he is. But he was saying, wait till you get a load of how good of a defensive mind this yeah. guy is. And what you just said about the Patriots is an exact, exact example of that because every year, if you watch the Patriots throughout – Tom Brady's tenure and since. They start off where their defense is in the middle of the road to the back half of the league. By the end of the season, every year, they're one of the top five to top ten defenses in the league because Bill Belichick is the best innovator there's ever been. He sees players, he realizes their strengths, and he plays and he designs defenses around the strength of his players and understands that about his players better than any coach I've ever but, seen. But the key is and that's defense. why their team yes, but that's why their team every year seems to find their way to compete for a playoff spot because Bill Belichick understands how to coach defensively. Well, and, but, and, but and Brian, def- the, the point I'm making is without a good quarterback, no great defensive coach is winning. I, 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 Chris, I, you know th- I, he he could he could be the greatest. Again, and, and, we can we can go back and talk about two Super Bowls, and I'll talk about them forever. We can talk about the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl when they when they won but with they Trent a Dilfer. Dynasty. They but weren't. They, 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 it's they not won. about a dynasty. It's about a defense that it didn't. It almost didn't matter who you had at quarterback for that team because the defense was a juggernaut. But that it's was, the same that was thing the... with Brad Johnson in Tampa Bay. That defense was so good you could have plugged a number of quarterbacks in, and they could have been sufficient enough to get. The job yeah, but, done. but but the, the the point I'm making is to win long a a, a consistent no, winner, have a like dynasty. What we saw. You need a quarterback, but yeah, but, yeah. But I'm saying to win once. I mean, you know, to win a year, to win a two. And Look, the bottom I, line I, is, I would take Trent Dilfer on the Jets if it meant they were going to win the Super Bowl. Of course, but, but who but wouldn't? The, the, the point is, I don't think anyone's. And, and Brian Billick was an offensive guy, which is hysterical, right? But. He 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 won with with um, I'm blanking on his name I can't believe the the old Cincinnati but Marvin Lewis right Marvin Lewis was a defensive coordinator of those Ravens teams Marvin Lewis had a pretty decent quarterback in in uh, uh, USC guy what's his what the hell was his name Carson Palmer pretty good quarterback not an elite quarterback couldn't get him over the hump no matter how good defensively. Those Bengals teams were, and they were never in the. No, in, you in need the, for long haul. You need, but I'm talking about if you want to win, and and every season is a season to win. You don't look to win down the road. You look that year. Well, that's the that's and, the road I, the Raiders I, are going. And they're, I would, they're looking to they're looking to build something yeah, and, for the future. And, and, and I'm I'm always about trying to win right now because there's no well, you're, you're, guarantee, there's no you guarantee. as a Lions fan and me as a Jet fan. Yeah. At, look, there's no guarantee on a future. We've learned that yeah, over time. I, I there remember is no being guarantee. the favorite in '99. You don't, you and don't look and say, "Hey, we're going to do this in the future." The future is always right now because the NFL, the greatest cliche ever, not for long. You just do not know what is going to happen. A, a career-ending injury can happen on any given play. Now, granted, that could happen in any sport, but the NFL is way more prevalent for that kind of thing happening, and you have to try to win now. The Raiders, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, as far as what they were looking for out there when they realized they weren't going to go after Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady was retiring, that Jimmy Garoppolo was probably the best thing available to them. 
them for their style of football. But like Spencer said before I walked in the studio today, again, that it's kind of like you're replacing Derek Carr with Derek Carr with more big game experience. I, I, and that's the way I look at it. And I think Derek Carr may have a better arm than Jimmy G. Well, with Jimmy G, the, the question will always be, can he finish the season? Yeah, and can he right, finish like, the like season? Derek Carr, outside of the one season where, where unfortunately for him, he broke his leg. Going into he's, the playoffs. he's been durable. He, he's a very and and he's taken a beating. I agree, I agree. But you can take all the beatings you want. You got to win football games. Real quickly, I want to move on because I want to get to the NCA before we run out of time. I do want to say, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers have been talking for weeks, as we know, and the Jets and the Packers are trying to find a compromise. This has been dating back to the Super Bowl. They've they've been talking that long. Some believe the Packers might just be holding out, trying to get a little more draft compensation. In a potential trade, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, Rodgers was talking to free agents last week about playing for the Jets, so everything appears to be in motion for the the most part. Right. They just have to find a sweet spot. The Packers have this $58 million option bonus for Rodgers that does not have to be exercised until week one so they can essentially hang on to that if they want for a long time but the Jets are confident that they can remain a little patient um, a little patient here and this will all sort itself out there are no other teams reportedly to be involved so kind of weird it's kind of a weird standoff but Rodgers will eventually be the Jets quarterback before the start of the 2020 uh, three season, um, I can almost assure you that. And uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of getting this thing worked out. I, I just think the Packers don't want to say he's not our quarterback for as long as they possibly can, because no one is celebrating Bryce Love and saying this is going to be Jordan. Love. Excuse me, Jordan Love and saying this is going to be our future quarterback. Well, you, you, we we got to see a bit of Jordan yeah, Love. So yeah, it, it, it's um, about they have about as much confidence in Jordan Love as as, as uh, the Forty ers do in the guy that's about to take the helm. Unless, uh, unless their quarterback can get his elbow healthy, um, they're, they're looking at a guy that no one's real excited about in San Francisco either. And it's the same type of thing. The guy did not look confident out there. Jordan Love was not making good passes when we've seen him play, play in the game. The decision-making's not great. I'll, I'll, I'll hold off reserve on Jordan Love until we actually see him. Like it's, until it's, we get a good sample size. Yeah, like, like look, coming in in, in, in in occasional situations and having to look over your shoulder... And fully knowing that the job isn't yours, you know it's 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 hard to say, but they seem to like him, and you know I I, I don't. Well, think, they better, Chris. He's going to be their quarterback well, this year. So for how long we don't no, know, but but they better yeah, like I mean, him. They're, they're, they're going to move Rodgers, and it's one of those weird things where nobody really has any leverage. So, like the Jets know that the Packers have to get rid of Rodgers, and the Packers know that the Jets. Need are the team that they're going to yeah, get rid so, of too. It's, so just, it's a just a matter of yeah. yeah it's, it's like I said, some compensation or something. It's going to happen, and I think immediately Aaron Rodgers changes the complexion of the New York Jets, their football team. This is a team that is on the brink of being good, and Eric Rodgers is a guy that if he can get rejuvenated, going to New York and play with the capability he has still left in the tank, uh, the Jets could be a really good team. The other guy right now that everyone's talking about, and we'll go over this one quickly, but you know he's the second highest rated quarterback in the NFL in the past four seasons behind only Patrick Mahomes. Who am I talking about? You're going to think maybe I'm talking about the guy up in Buffalo. You'd be wrong. Maybe you'd be thinking about talking to the guy in Cincinnati. You'd be wrong also. He hasn't even been in the league four years yet. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson, former NFL MVP. Uh, The problem is 
It's going to become he's going to come at a cost of around two hundred million dollars and two first round draft picks, and nobody really seems to want to deal with that. Plus, when you're dealing with Lamar Jackson, you don't talk to an agent who might have some sensibility and understands the game. You talk to Lamar Jackson himself because he doesn't have an agent. Um, he he's not he didn't sign off on his franchise tag, and so there's no firm offer sheet for him right now. Possible landing spots for Lamar Jackson. I'm doing a little bit of research. Chris, you can tell me what you think about this. If he doesn't end up back in Baltimore, which is still a distinct possibility. I mean, they do, they somehow want to rectify this. I don't think it's going to happen. He could end up with the Indianapolis Colts if they don't get a QB in the draft who they're looking to potentially get. I think they've got the fourth pick in the draft. They're looking at potentially that. Believe it or not, if... If, and this is a gigantic if, it's good. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet, but if for some reason he wasn't, I think they would all of a sudden turn and look at Lamar Jackson potentially for them. The Tennessee Titans, they just cleared some cap space and have a new GM in, in Rand Carthen um, who is working on a brand new roster. They might want a running quarterback for the type of offense that this guy is talking about. They're looking to run in Tennessee. And believe it or not, kind of a wild card, the Minnesota Vikings. It's kind of a long shot, but Kirk Cousins has one year left on his contract, and they could be looking to reestablish their identity there, and a guy like Lamar Jackson could come in and give them new life, because the Vikings, with all the wins they've got, it's a really good football team. I I think, you know, there's belief in Kirk Cousins, but he just doesn't seem like this is a guy that one day is going to hold up a Super Bowl trophy, where Lamar Jackson, you could see if this guy stays healthy all year, and you find the right system for it, this guy could win at any level. Yeah, I you know it's funny because immediately when you started talking about the Indianapolis Colts jumped out at me. New coach in Shane Steichen, former UNLV quarterback Shane Steichen. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, that was the one that jumped out to me, right? Because Jalen Hurts, while obviously not the prolific runner that Lamar Jackson is, you know, I I, I think, you know, he, he had some success with, with a guy who has the capability to put the ball in, under his arm and go. Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback when he's fully healthy. The problem is the style he plays it. it, it it's you, you don't know. And that's for me as a jet fan, that that's the one holdup. Like if you ask me like, who would I rather have for the future? I want Lamar Jackson long, you got much, run. much longer of, of, of a, of a, of a runway there. But the problem is I just don't know how, how long Lamar Jackson's going to be in the league because it's just that position First of all, we, we talk about running back. Running quarterbacks are the same way. Like, I, I, I am still to this day amazed how long Ben Roethlisberger was able to last in the NFL because that guy, he was like a linebacker hitting you when, when he decided to, to, to run the ball. I mean, he took some massive, massive hits. He did. But, but you, and, you felt it when you hit him, though. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. But, like, he, 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 he had a very good career. You know, it's not like Fran Tarkenton back in the seventies when you know you you were getting hit by guys who were the same size as Fran. Yeah, as a quarterback today, you're getting hit by guys the size of Mack trucks, yes. and they run like Mack trucks. Yes, yeah. So, um, you know, I I think the upside there with Lamar Jackson, I just you know, if you want to win now, and I think for the Colts, I think they're looking more long term, but. 
Man, the, the, the idea that you can sign him as the New York Jets and he'd be your quarterback probably for the next five or six years. Kinda, it's kind of intriguing. It's it, it certainly hey, I, is. Believe me, as much as, as happy I, as I am with what Jared Goff was oh, able to accomplish. you would take Lamar Jackson in a minute. It, yeah. it, you know, it's tough. Right now, I would really struggle with it because I want to see if the offensive line stays intact in Detroit. If Jared Goff, if this is him, I mean, he's a former number one overall draft pick, for God's sakes. If this is him, or if he'll go back to being what he was with the Rams towards the end. I don't know, but Jared Goff had a great year last year, and I can't believe right now I would hesitate in jumping on the Lamar Jackson bandwagon. Just because again, Chris, that running style quarterback, he is so... It's a demolition derby with him, and that can always potentially be a problem. Plus, he has never been a perfectly accurate long passer. Jared Goff throws an accurate deep ball. Lamar Jackson is hit or miss with that at times, so I'm a little bit skeptical there. I do think Lamar Jackson is going to end up an Indianapolis Colt. That was why that was my first choice there. I think they are looking at the draft a little bit, but when I think they look at it and everything, th- again, you know, Ursay's a guy who wants to win. He doesn't want to rebuild. He just wants to win, yeah. and that's his type of mentality. I, I still and, think I, I think at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson stays in Baltimore. Very well could. I mean, they want him there, and but I think my point is, if he does leave, that's the Indianapolis. Team. Seems I think like, that yeah, that seems the best the fit for him choice, right now. Yeah. Guys, got to get to this NCAA tournament as as we. We, get, we close out the show today. Um, March Madness in full swing again. It's blowing my mind again. You know, one of the things we've got to stop doing, and before we get to this, uh, you know, since this is part of uh, today, go ahead and hit Fact This, Spence. Facts This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This. Yeah, it's a fact. The 15-seed Princeton Tigers beat the number two seed Arizona Wildcats Thursday and the seven seed Missouri Tigers yesterday uh, fell to um, you know also yesterday and to advance to the South Regions I should say next week. This means that we need to stop talking so much about the consistency of twelve seeds beating five seeds in the opening round and start talking about fifteen seeds since Princeton's win this makes it three years in a row that a fifteen seed has now made it to the Sweet 16 and if you remember last year St. Peter's went all the way to the Elite Eight I guess time, you look at this four fifteen seeds in history have made it, have, have, have gotten out of the first round, have won a game or gone to the Sweet 16 I should say three of them in the last three years, Princeton, St. Peter's and a 2021 Oral Rock and then you go back to Florida Gulf Coast in 2013, also out of the 15 hole. What is the deal with 15 seeds? Are these seeds being underseeded? Well, I think that's part of it. I think the, the reality is, and the committee, they have no clue what the hell they're doing. Like, I think they know, for the most part, the top 15, 20 teams in the country. After that, it's a crapshoot. Like, like it, it didn't get talked about, and it, it didn't matter. But how on earth did Auburn, as a nine seed, get to play number one seed Houston in Birmingham, Alabama yesterday? But what what pisses me off is, and this is why I say they have no clue once they get outside the top 20 teams, the 5-12, and I know you wanted to talk about it. The College of Charleston played San Diego State. College of Charleston was hovering around top 25 all season. A really good team criminally underseeded as a 12 seed. They probably should have been a 10. Then you had the other side, Virginia Commonwealth and St. Mary's. VCU, a 12 seed out of the A-10. 
The 810 was only a one bid league this year, which is really surprising because it's generally one of the better non major conferences. You know, they've had some teams make deep runs, but what they do, and they, they didn't do it in all the 512s, but what they like to do is they like to put the non majors against each other in that five. They, they've gotten away from the Duke Oral Roberts, which was one. I can't remember what the other 512 was, but it doesn't matter. Um, what they, they they want these non-power schools to knock each other out so that they don't have to deal with but as far as the 15 seats I don't I they, they don't know what they're doing because Princeton is a really good basketball team the Ivy League considering they don't give athletic scholarships the Ivy League is a pretty good basketball team because in in our in, just in recent memory We've seen Tommy Amaker with Harvard make a pretty good I run. Loved, I love when Pete Carell used to coach. We, 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 that, we saw Cornell make a Sweet 16 out of the Ivy yeah. recently, like a really good Cornell team maybe about 10 years ago. Yep. And I think they I think they lost to to Davidson, who had uh, Steph Curry. If I, I, My memory might be foggy there, but Yale's won a game. The Ivy League never should be seeded at a 15. I don't care um, because, first of all, they have a conference tournament. But only the top four teams advance to their conference tournament. So if you're like seventh, you have zero chance. So one of their top four teams is always going to be pretty good because it's a good league. They should never be in that 15th seed. I I felt bad for Arizona when I saw them playing Princeton because I knew that Princeton plays really good defense, and I knew that they're a really good rebounding team. They're not a 15 seed. They're no. they're probably an 11. Well, it's really cool because Mitch Henderson, their coach, play, was played a four-year starter. Beat UCLA. Yes, yes. Back, back for the guy I just mentioned. And I remember and, going to watch him play at Princeton because I, I grew up like player. 35 minutes from the yeah. campus. So it's pretty cool. And you know, he goes back in, Chris. And to your point, you know, they beat them 78-63 was the final score they oh, gave. They, they it is the Missouri's largest ass. margin of victory ever for a 15 seed to win in that game. And you know, that since game, the that, tournament expansion, they, they were up by 21. Yeah. It was the, never a it was never a ball. It, game. it was over at halftime. Yeah, it was. And 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 it's cool. Um, and and, and again, Princeton. You know, you're talking about now they're going to. Uh, they, play the winner of uh, of Baylor and, and, Creighton and Creighton because they could beat Creighton. But they could, I, I don't think they'll beat Baylor. It, it'll be tough. It'll Baylor's be, very yeah, very it, it, athletic. Tough, but long. you know what? When you believe like that, you never know what's going to happen. But I, I like that game. Uh, the, By the, the game way, I speaking wanted, of Baylor, you know who was getting props the other day? Former UNLV player was it Jonathan? I John, yeah, Jonathan. Um, um, Ch- 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 Chua, yeah. uh, yes, who who played on the national championship team for Baylor. I remember him real player. quickly. I wanted to really quickly get this in because Eric Musselman, of course, will be here in Vegas on Thursday to bring his Arkansas Razorbacks, who knocked off the defending national champion Kansas Jayhawks last night. After the game, I just wanted Musselman was so excited he takes his shirt off, which I love. It's been a, a thing of his forever. He gets so into it. Dick Vitale was ranting and raving him about. Him this morning on ESPN before I came to, before I came to the station and this was Musselman after the game after they won. I would love to uh, lie and say that you know I felt composed, um, but this I mean we only led for a minute forty three, and uh, this has been as as challenging and up and down season as I've ever been a part. You know, and they were missing one of their best players for 19 games this season. A big part of the reason that Arkansas, but Musselman is a great coach. Last year, knocked off the number one seed Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. Eric Musselman, man, expect him at a bigger time university in the future. I I think he's cool at Arkansas. 
He could be. He loves it there. Uh, got a game starting here in just a few minutes. Pittsburgh Xavier tips off at 9 10 this morning. Go, go, Panthers. go MSU, man. My Michigan State Spartans against Marquette, 2 15 today. Listen, we're out of time. We'll be back next week. This is out of line. We're here every Sunday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. on Fox Sports Radio. Want to thank Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski for handling everything on the video side. And of course, our producer, Chris Magnum Chapman. I'm Brian Feldman. I'm out. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.